Thanks, brother. Good morning to all. I told one of our visitors that, you know, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel when they got me up here. It wasn't my choice. I didn't volunteer for it, but I'm always humbled. I know Brother Gary gets tired of hearing that. And the more he gets tired of hearing that, the more I say it. Because it is, a, it is, it is a tremendous blessing and responsibility. And I'll never get tired of saying how blessed Sovereign Grace Chapel is because we have so many gifted brothers and sisters in the body here that it's almost embarrassing how gifted we are and, uh, that Brother Gary encourages that gift. I think it's for the strength and the unity of the body here. The encouragement that Brother, I always, I always say he doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't rule the pulpit with an iron fist, but he constantly encourages and builds up gift. And uh, so, as I always mention to any and everybody, be on your toes, because you never know when he's going to tap you on the shoulder for uh, a testimony uh, of praise or worship or to come up here and share what great things God has done for you. Now, our brother had read about uh, two kings, and I don't know if, I'm sure there's somebody out there that doesn't understand it very briefly. Israel was probably perhaps the size of New Jersey, but they had two kings. Now, how did this come to be? Saul was the first, Saul was the first king of Israel. The people's choice. He stood head and shoulders above everyone. He was a very handsome man. He was appealing. He was, and so he was an easy choice. Uh, God was upset with the choice of Saul, but he gave in to the people and allowed them. But the prophet Samuel had warned what was going to happen eventually, and guess what happened? It, everything that that uh, Samuel prophesied came true. And eventually, as Gary touched on last week, David was raised up to be a king. But with all these kings, the theme that I'm, I want to point out today, is it's so obvious. It won't even really have to be a a time for, well, we're going to have a practical word now because it's going to be all throughout the whole message, how practical it is. These kings, like us all, have choices in life, and these choices we make all have consequences. I think we all know this. Choices always have consequences. And these kings... I'm so thankful to be able to look back now because you imagine reading the Old Testament and seeing nothing but perfection with all these men and women of God. What encouragement. I would have thrown the book in a long time ago and said, this isn't for me. I can't, I can't, you know, follow these people in a perfect ways. But God in his faithfulness exposes it, all their faults, all their sins, so that we might learn from this. 
And I think we're apparently slow learners through all the Old Testament. And uh, when you look at the life of um, David, uh, David was a reigned 40 years. And he was a good king. But yet, we all are aware of the downfall, the sin, the grievous sin that David succumbed to. Now, before you point your finger and say, I would never do that, I think you need to realize we're capable. If God removed his hand of grace from us for a moment, how far we could fall. It's amazing to think about that. And so, I often wonder when the prophet, God sent the prophet to David and told him, the consequences of his sin. And this was almost a year after the baby was born. He had a, he had a child through, a, through an, another man's wife. And I often wonder, for a period of a year, if Nathan never went to David, would David have ever come around Would David have ever really repented? It was a year. What was he doing in all this time? How could he live with himself after doing this awful thing? Having a, having a, a man killed so he could have his wife, having a child through her, and, and, and acting as if nothing happened? Well, God punished the house of David, and as a result... The child died, but yet, through it all, David lost four sons, the heartache that he went through. And eventually, David's son, Solomon, came to reign. And Solomon, in the zenith of the kingdom, I picture it as the most magnificent kingdom on earth at the time, the Queen of Sheba came up and saw all the glory of Solomon. And it said she didn't believe it at first, but when she came up and saw everything in his kingdom, she said the half had not been told how magnificent this kingdom of Solomon was. But yet, one of the, one of the commandments for the kings was that they were not to multiply wives. But yet it says about Solomon that he had 700 wives. Now I'm sure most husbands here would agree that one is a handful enough. 700 wives. 300 concubines. It, it's, it's amazing to think that that he could, and you know, turn his back on the Lord who had warned them the consequences of doing such a thing. That they would turn away his heart from serving the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. And so his son, after Solomon, Solomon was passed passed away, his son was going to reign in his stead, and 
But yet the prophet came to, uh, there, was a, there was competition, uh, a man named Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was told by a prophet that God was going to rent the kingdom from Solomon and give it to Jeroboam. Now, but Solomon was allowed to keep two tribes. Well, one tribe that turned into two. Because God had promised that David would always have a light in Jerusalem. Always have a testimony. And so, the ten tribes went with Jeroboam, and the two tribes stayed with Rehoboam. And Jeroboam's up here, Rehoboam's here. And Rehoboam, I mean, Jeroboam says, eventually all these people, when they go to worship, are going to go up to Jerusalem, and I'm going to lose my people. So Jeroboam constructs, has two golden calves made, and he places one in the northern part of his kingdom and one in the southern part of his kingdom, and says to the people, why are you traveling so far? Come up, serve, turn aside, worship here. These be your gods. And so, whenever you read about Jeroboam, it's always going to refer to him as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Every single time you read that name Jeroboam, you'll find that, who made Israel to sin. How about that as an epitaph on your gravestone? Who made Israel to sin. Now, as the kings, so the kings of the north were, for the most part, not so good. The kings of Judah in the south, they were much better. They weren't, there was a few that weren't so good. But overall, they were much better than the kings of the north. And so, when our brother read about Ahab, there's a name for you. You ever notice those names that nobody ever names their kids after? <laughs> Although I do know one Ahab. Is anybody with me? Moby Dick. Captain Ahab. That's the only one I know. Yeah, Judas is another name. I don't know any kids named Judas. But do you notice that there are certain names that were Jezebel? I don't know many women named Jezebel. And so, Ahab was the seventh king. And it says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord than all the kings that were before him. And I think you, we read over that, did more to provoke the Lord you know what it says about when Barack Obama was president? That he ran, he accumulated so much debt in his administration in his eight years that he accumulated more debt than all the presidents before him combined. That's staggering when you think of it. So when God mentions that he did more to provoke him than anyone before him. And as if that wasn't bad enough, what Ahab lacked, Jezebel was right there to help fill up. 
You remember the time he wanted, there was a, a fellow Naboth that lived next to him, and he wanted his herb garden that grew right alongside the palace. So Ahab goes to Naboth and says, sell me this, or I will give you a better vineyard somewhere else. And Naboth says, this is my father's inheritance. I could never sell this. And so Ahab goes up to his room, cries on his bed, and is laying there pouting. And Jezebel comes in and says, what? why are you pouting? And he tells Jezebel what happened. And Jezebel says, I'll fix this. She goes to the elders of the city and says that she wants to proclaim a, a feast and set Naboth on high and then bring two sons of Belial and say to them, have them say, we heard Naboth cursing God and the king. And that's exactly what happened. And they took Naboth and had him stoned. And Jezebel goes up to the room and says, you're all set. Rise up. The vineyard is yours. So, um, it goes without saying how wicked of a king was Ahab. But then, a brother read also about Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was the son of Asa. And Asa reigned for 40 40 plus years, I believe. Asa was a good king, but he made choices. And choices have consequences. And Asa, in his mistrust for the Lord's providing, sent and asked help of the king of Syria. The king of Syria comes down and helps him. And all looks good for Asa now. He's going back to the palace, and a prophet meets him and says, you know, you should have trusted the Lord God for victory. Because of this, you'll suffer consequences. Well, Asa didn't like that. And he had the prophet thrown into prison for being testimony, being uh, testifying to him of God's word. And so God struck Asa with a disease in his feet. And it was so bad that it says about Asa. Now keep in mind, this, this, was, this was a good king. And it says about Asa, when he was diseased in his feet. Now I'm, I want to read spiritual-wise everything, but I think that would have to refer to his walk with the Lord was not so good when this happened. And so, instead of inquiring, instead of humbling himself, instead of going before the Lord... It says, Asa sought the physicians and not the Lord. A sad, a sad way to die, not seeking the Lord, but seeking the physicians. And then Jehoshaphat, his son, comes to the throne. And our brother read the first verse. It says in chapter 17 that... He strengthened himself against Israel. Jehoshaphat knew. Jehoshaphat knew all about Ahab. Exactly what kind of king he was, how he worshipped Baal, how he married the, the daughter of the king of the Zidonians, Jezebel. 
And I even think that if you read back, Solomon had married women of the Zidonians. What? What in the world? The, the choices and consequences that, that these men of God, for the most part, had to endure. But it says, Jehoshaphat strengthened himself against Israel. Good move. Good move, I think. There was his enemy, and God blessed Jehoshaphat with riches and honor above Above everything, his kingdom was in the zenith of its power. But something happened. Till this day, I, I, I've meditated on it, I've thought about it. What in the world happened to Jehoshaphat? You read, the very, chapter 17 is very short. You read the first verse, of chapter 18, where it says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Now, affinity, it's an old word, it's another word for marriage. I can't get by that verse. How could good King Jehoshaphat have allowed his son to marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, whose name was Athaliah. How could this... I'm serious. If anyone has any thoughts, I'd be interested in hearing it. I cannot understand how such an unholy alliance as this could happen. What was Jehoshaphat thinking? Now, we've all known people through the years that have made some bad choices with marriage. And before they got married, you'd, 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 you'd look and say, what, 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 what is he doing? What, what is she doing? And you try to, I, I remember somebody years ago, and uh, that was counseled not to marry such and such a person. Well, you know when you're in love, you make these choices. And it turned out to be a disaster. I'm sure every single one of us know of people like this that have made these decisions. And... Their excuses. I love I, the, the the ones where there's the there's the Christian man or the Christian woman contemplating marrying an unbeliever, and you you oh I know I know I know they'll come around I know they'll get I just know they'll get saved. We've all heard it. How many times has it happened though? How many times has this man or woman spouse got saved? Usually. It's the other way around. And the Christian brother or sister is led, led away from the Lord. That's why I do not understand what happened to good King Jehoshaphat. There's another name people don't name their babies anymore. <laughs> wonderful name. Wonderful name. 
And in the life of Jehoshaphat, it says after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. I don't think that always refers to topographically he went down. I think it was a moral move that... It would have been more impressive to read Ahab went up to Jerusalem. But no, Jehoshaphat went down to Ahab to Samaria. Jehoshaphat knew Ahab was the enemy. As I said, he knew he was a Baal worshiper. He knew all these terrible things about Ahab. But yet, he still aligned himself through marriage with, with this king. He first strengthened himself against Israel. You know, it was fresh early days of coming into power. He started off wonderful. What a great king. What an example to follow. But as years went by, as the riches and abundance maybe maybe went to him, I don't I don't know. But Satan is so active. He didn't have Ahab. He didn't stir Ahab up to attack Judah and Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat had a million man army. That would have been that would have been no problem if Ahab had attacked with his army, Jehoshaphat and his army. He didn't do that. Satan, Satan did not do that. How did he attack Jehoshaphat? He attacked Jehoshaphat's heart. He went after his heart and he appealed to that. And so Jehoshaphat goes down and the trap is set. Ahab kills oxen and sheep in abundance for Jehoshaphat and then appeals to him. Will you come up to fight with me to Ramoth Gilead? Now, if anyone doesn't know what the, what the importance of Ramoth Gilead was, it was taken over by the Syrians and Ahab wanted it back. It was a it was one of the six cities of refuge back in the time that Moses had set up and had fallen into the hands of Syria. And so Ahab appeals to Jehoshaphat for his help. Now it's bad when we go by ourselves into something. When Jehoshaphat says to him, I am as thou art. Imagine a good king, a good king, worships, fears the Lord, saying to this idolatrous king, I am as you are. And not only that, but he has to drag others also down with him. And my people are as your people, and my horses are your horses. What a, what a tragic decline in Jehoshaphat when you think about this. 
And what does that speak to us today? I mean, how many of these movements do we have where these, all these different, you know, uh, movement to, you know, cast aside all doctrine and anything that might divide us? Away with that! Love is the answer. Let us all join together. We've heard, we've seen this all the time, that the Catholics and the Protestants are joining together. How can we, the Muslims and all of us are, you know, join? No, there's something wrong with that. There's something drastically wrong with that. Let alone some of the real sticky topics that are going on today about uh, uh, being tolerant and affirming and, and all this stuff. What? What does the Lord think of this? Seriously. What does God think about these unions of the holy with the unholy? You know, I I think the proverb says, When thou sittest down with a ruler to eat, diligently consider what is placed before thee. And if thou be a man given to, if, put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. So let us remember the choices that we make that I, I think of young people so much that, because uh, we were all remember some of the not so good choices we made when we were young. And you try to tell your kids, or someone other that you're close with, you try to warn them, and they're like, yeah, okay. That five minutes, five minutes of something, you could reap the rest of your life sowing something. Five minutes of a, of a bad choice could cause not only you, but your family, everyone associated with you, heartache for the rest of your life. Now, it's happened to every single one of us in here has made a bad choice. In one way or another, we've all suffered consequences. It happens. And we can look at these kings here and see the consequences that happen. And but, so... Jehoshaphat is no doubt sitting there now like, oh, what did I get myself into? He's starting to have some feelings and thoughts that something isn't. And what does he do? Like, I know I've done. You've made your choice. You've gone ahead with it. You've stepped your both feet into it. And now you turn around and say, Oh, God, will you bless this for me and make sure... No, 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 no. Too late. Too late. We've made the decision. And now, in order to ease Jehoshaphat's conscience, Ahab conveniently has 400 prophets that come before him and say, Go up. God will deliver it into your hands. No problem. Go up and defeat them. 400 prophets. And Jehoshaphat says to King Ahab, is, is there not a prophet here from, of God? 400 prophets. And Jehoshaphat asks him, is, is there not one prophet of God? 
And so Ahab gets him. And Ahab tells Jehoshaphat, I don't like this guy because he always prophesies evil against me. I don't like him. Oh, let not the king say so. And so they bring up this man. And he kind of teases at Ahab a little. And Ahab points a finger at him, and I adjure you to tell me the truth. And when he did, he didn't like it. And he had this man thrown in prison. Throw this man in prison until I get back. And the prophet says to him, if you get back, then I'm not a prophet. The trap was set. And Jehoshaphat kept going down, down, down. Ahab has the one great idea. Hey, what, Jehoshaphat, how about if you dress as me, and I'm going to dress as a soldier, and I want you to go into, you know, into the battle. Yeah, okay, I, I can do that. And so he dresses as the king of Israel and goes into the battle, and the men see him, and, the, and they surround him. They're about to, and he cries out to God, and miraculously, God preserves his life. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so Jehoshaphat tucks his tail in between his legs and he goes back to Jerusalem and he's thinking, well, did I learn a lesson? Wow. But guess what happens? A prophet comes to him and says to him, should the godly help the ungodly? Why did you do this? Why did you help this man? And it says that Jehoshaphat was humbled. Now his father Asa had the, the same prophet's father thrown into jail. But Jehoshaphat humbled himself. But yet the choices and the consequences still remain. Oh, there was trouble. There was more trouble than I, I don't think anyone almost realizes how Satan was working. And thank the Lord. That's why I love like the book of Esther where it doesn't mention God's name at all in the whole book. But yet God, like the, like the Wizard of Oz, he's behind that curtain moving all the levers and pulling the strings, and everything is just incredible, God's providence and God's sovereignty in what happens. Because, uh, and I also think when reading that book, Esther, God, God, I think it's safe to say he has a sense of humor for some of the things that happen in that book. But with Jehoshaphat going back now to Jerusalem, and his son, that ascended to the throne now, right at the latter years of Jehoshaphat, that son that married Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, became king. And he wasn't like his father. He worshipped Baal. And a terrible thing happened. It says he came into the, the prominence. He came in, he, he reigned now as king. And he had six, six, seven brothers. And it said he strengthened himself and he killed all his brothers. 
That was his first move. And so now, their daughter, their, their daughter Athaliah, and her, her, her son, the king, Ahab's son, after Ahab had died, their son was king. I know it sounds confusing, but it, it, it really kind of dovetails together because the tragedy that, that happened was that when Athaliah saw that her son was killed, she rose up and destroyed all the seed royal, all the royal seed. All the king's sons were killed, but one. But one. What would have happened if all the, the king's seeds were, were killed? Satan was right there to destroy the royal line. One child was saved and hidden for six, six, six some, some odd years. And you know, it's funny to think that Israel actually had a queen, Athaliah. She reigned for half a dozen years. A queen of Israel. Sounds amazing when you think about that. But how close? You read those genealogies in Matthew and Luke. How close was that to be destroyed? And our Lord, that, that line of from David on, which God promised David, that you will, the seed that comes from you will always sit upon the throne of Judah. Oh, Satan was that, but God was behind the scenes as he is in our life. How much, how many times through bad choices has God preserved you and I? Think of some of the choices you made, and oh, what did I, oh, what did I do, what did I do? And God humbles us. And we're much, we're not like these, some of these kings that when they got the word of God brought before them, oh, they hated it. And sometimes it's not always easy when a faithful brother or sister comes to you with a, with a hard word. We don't always receive it well. But I think when we pray about it and reflect upon it, that took great faithfulness for a, you know, a brother or sister to do that. A brother or sister to come up, notices that, that, that fire before you, and, and, and the, one, the one coal that's by itself kind of dimmering and dimmering, getting, losing its glow, and, and, and that brother or sister just takes a, that poker and just right into the group of all the other coals, and pretty soon that thing is as bright as them all. That's what we need in our life, a, a, a faithful brother and a sister that, that brings us the word like that when we're down. But uh, when, I, when, I think of these, when I think of these kings, and I can look back now and, and see the choices that they made and the consequences that they made and how faithful God really is, it, uh, it humbles me to dust. I'm, I'm so thankful that, uh, that I, I, I have these men and women before me in the Old Testament, and I still often think of how in the world did Jehoshaphat ever allow his son to marry this? I, 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 can't, I can't understand how that, how that would have happened, how that came to pass. In all the downfall of Jehoshaphat's house, his family, and, and what almost happened, it's... It's, you know, it's, it's like some of the choices, like I say, when we, we have in life. The choices that some, 
young or old might have today here, you know. What have we done? What have we done with the Lord? You know, it, uh, I was watching a movie, I was watching that old movie the other day, Sounder. Remember that movie Sounder about those black sharecroppers and that dog? Sounder was the name of the dog. And they played a lot of old, like, 30s music. Well, like, a lot of gospel music, you know, like that, that I forget what you call them, like a steel guitar almost, kind of. And, uh, you know, just an old kind of a, a raspy voice guy, you know, guy singing something to the effect, Oh, Jesus Jesus, come by here again. Jesus, come by here again. And I was thinking, Jesus, come by here again. You know, when it says, you know, Jesus is walking through Southbridge today. What are you doing with him? He's walking by, and hopefully, the choices you make, hopefully this isn't the last time that he walks by in your life. I often think how many people are sitting in hell right now that would love to have one more opportunity to hear the words of life. One more choice, one more chance to sit there and hear about the one who stretched out his arms for us on Calvary. The one who suffered such untold agonies so that we might be all in our seats here today, clothed and in our right minds. It's, it really, you know, when you look back, when we look back how God saved our souls, we don't have you know, we don't have altar calls here. I believe, like Mr. Spurgeon said, you can come to the Lord right where you sit. You don't even have to move a muscle. You can come to Christ right where you sit right here today and, and taste and see that the Lord is good. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for these uh, few words today. I pray that there was something in it for someone. If there... If anyone received anything, Lord, might they lift their hand and give you glory? Might they tap the person next to them and say, God spoke to me today? Because that's why we're here. We want to hear your voice, Lord, and even through a, the lowest of your servants, Lord. Just pray that you'd, you'd bless us. You'd help us ponder the things and the lessons that we can learn from these kings about the choices in life that they all have consequences. If we sow to the flesh, from the flesh we'll reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit we'll reap life everlasting. Lord, bless us as a congregation. Lead us out today. And I just ask it all, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, stand and sing uh, one final song in response. Creatures of our common peace, lift up your voice and with us sing, oh, praise